several years ago, God impressed upon my heart that I was going to write a book. And I thought that I was going to write a book. Now, listen to this, and I may still, about the naked woman. Oh, yeah, I know. I see the look you had, but see, I was left with three children, and I had no spiritual covering. And so that was what I was going to write about was spiritual covering. I was going to, you know, that's where I was headed, was how important spiritual covering was. And I may write that book because it's still true. But I knew I was going to write a book, but I was always going to. You know, I was one of those things I was going to do down the road sometime. And just uh, within five years, the Lord spoke through people that did not know me three times and one that did, but didn't know I was supposed to write a book or that I'd even thought about it. And would say, you know, God has said, thus saith the Lord, you're going to write a book. And uh, so I think, yes, I'm going to, but God was beginning to turn the pages of my own heart to begin to look at a perspective much different than what I did was thinking. And uh, about three years ago, I was at, at Pastor Danny Wormuth's church and had done the ladies' conference that year. And I was getting ready to leave, and Pastor Danny handed me a little notebook. And he handed that little leatherback book to me, which is so precious. And he handed it to me, and he had known me for a long time because he had met me in a different situation in Michigan when my previous marriage was singing on the road. And he handed that book to me, and he looked me in the eye, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord said, now you need to begin to write. And I just felt it wash over me, and I was like, okay, God, I don't even know where to start, but yes, I will. And so we began the journey, and which was a very painful journey for me. And when I say painful journey for me, it wasn't because I hadn't forgiven, because I'd already dealt with that I had forgiven in my heart. But I had to face a whole lot of things when I began this journey and all over again because I had a lot of shame in my life. And see, shame will absolutely keep you from the seeing God as God sees you. But I had dealt with that, I thought. Uh, I had dealt with a lot of issues. But when I began to tell from the deep of my heart, and as God began to put this together, it was a really rough uh, period of my life for the last almost three years. And during that time, we as a church were going through some really rough times. And uh, then a year ago in uh, February, I was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. And so this past year, and the book had already started, and we were getting closer, but we weren't finished. And then I had to go through the process of, of double mastectomy. And we've just been on this journey. But oh my goodness, the faithfulness of God on this journey. And it did not stop the book from going forward. I mean, we kept pushing, and God uh, dropped a producer and... Uh, this is not how I was going to start my message, but we'll just start here because it's really, you know, we'll just see where God goes with it, okay? Because usually my, what I think, I, this is what I think normally, I just get up and I preach because I like to preach. 
I will give you my scripture and I will preach. That's how I do it. But I started to tell you a while ago, I'm not a promoter. I'm not a self-promoter, but the Lord has corrected me and said, this is not about you. This is my story and I'm giving you a platform. And he's doing that for women around the world. We just gave over a thousand books away in the Republic of Georgia, translated in their language uh, in uh, October. And the publisher there, and this publisher, he has translated for Franklin Graham, he has translated for the Beveres, he has translated for a lot of names that you would know. I could keep on naming them, and I am not a name dropper. I'm just telling you what a miracle he was. He happened to be driving the van that was taking us home. And I had been saying, God, I know you put it in my heart to, because Republic of Georgia is such a part of my story, to have this book translated in their language. And I know that that's part of it, but I have no idea how to go about this. Well, two years ago, he was driving us back to our room I asked him what he did. He was talking to me. He wanted to know about autism because our precious Max, which is Tiffany and Lou's son, has autism. And, you know, that's a journey on its own. Someday maybe Bella will get to write a book about that. But, but uh, he was asking me questions. And so I was answering questions. And then all of a sudden I said to him, I said, David, I said, uh, what do you do for a living? After you know, and he said, I, I uh, translate and publish books. And I said, you do? And then he began to name all of these names. Oh, yeah, they come over here, and, and before they come, they want their books translated. And I'm, I mean, I kind of like, I'm sure, have my mouth open at that moment. And I said, David, I'm writing a book, and I would really like it translated for the women of Georgia if you think you might want to do that. And my goodness, he about jumped out of his seat because he had been watching the ministry since he was just a young kid. We've been going over there. I, uh, we've had, uh, my, past, my husband's been going since 2000. I started women's conferences in uh, 2004. So we've been going over there for years and, and I've been preaching in leadership conferences along with my husband. So he knows us. And he got all excited. Well, that dream came true this last October. And uh, we were able to do that. And so when I get up here today and I'm ministering about what God's doing and what he can do and take the, the little things of our life, if we will offer them to, to him and what he can do with that. And that's why I would come today uh, with a book that, yes, we are offering to you for a $12 donation. We urge you to read it. We urge you to sow it. We urge you to buy five or ten. They're great gifts. If you find people that have no hope, you've handed them hope. And so that with that being said, I am going to, to minister just for a few minutes, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story. Um, that we're going, and I uh, have a note here telling myself that uh, we've been to Myanmar one time, uh, ladies' conference, and they had never had a ladies' conference before either, and we had uh, their very first ladies' conference. They're begging us to come back. Uh, their bishop read our story online and is begging us to translate it. See, God's work is never done. 
And so we want you to pray for us. In Tanzania, we plan to go there in October. The bishop there is reading the book and was all excited because we'd been to these other countries and had it and getting it translated or had it translated. So uh, I'm just coming to you as a servant girl today, uh, sharing just part, a little part of what God is doing in the kingdom of God. What I'm going to be ministering today is out of Mark chapter 6. And you're so familiar with the story. Uh, I'm kind of taking it from uh, about uh, verse 30 on. And that's, a whole, that's a whole lot of scriptures. And so I am not going to read them. I'm going to paraphrase uh, all the way through to about... 52, but we'll tell it shortly, okay? Uh, but this is one of my favorite stories because God used it to really minister to me of why he had asked me to do what he asked me to do. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it is powerful and that it is like a two-edged sword and that, Father, wherever it goes... Father, into the hearts of your people today, it will make a change and a difference. And I thank you, Father, that your word is calling us out today in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage where it starts off, we find Jesus is talking to his disciples. And we know that his disciples, they had been with them and they had been out. Jesus had sent them out to minister the gospel to tell the world around that Jesus Christ really is present and that Jesus is Lord. But they had been out, they had seen the miracles, they had performed miracles, but they were tired and they were weary and they needed a rest. And Jesus saw that in them. And he said to them, he said, I, okay, let's draw away for a little while. Let's get away and get that much needed rest. He looked at them and he saw in their faces that they really were tired. Besides, they had vocally let him know also that they were tired as if he couldn't have picked it up. But uh, they thought, finally, we're going to get some rest, so here we go, and Jesus is gone to go, and this is going to be a good time. We get Jesus all to ourselves. Well, we know what happens when Jesus, before they ever get there, people heard somehow Maybe one of the disciples happened to say loudly enough, hey, uh, Philip, hey, hey, we're, we're you know, we're going to go over to the other side. You know, hey, Jesus is, is uh, going to take us, you know, over. And Peter, you know, he's real mouthy, so he probably was the one that was talking most likely. And he said it loud enough and in his excitement to let them all know out there that, oh, I just overheard the disciples are going over to the other side with Jesus. And so by the time they get there, the story will reveal to us that there is a crowd. Well, the, the disciples, they weren't very happy. Uh, I don't know if your staff ever gets tired and they're like, again, pastor, really now? You know, we've already done this or we're tired and we've got a, a, we got this event coming up. You know, I'm, I don't know, I'm telling you, our staff would say yes. Oh, there's times, moments where we have felt just that way. Uh, they, they're very blunt and honest, but they're very respectful, and, and uh, we honor them. But um, they get there, and Jesus is so moved by compassion. 
And remember, church, he is always moved by compassion with whatever situation you're going through. But he was moved by compassion with the crowd. And he began to minister to them. And it was getting late. It must have been up in the day anyway. By the time they got, they thought they were going to get to go somewhere. And by the time they get there, but Jesus couldn't help himself because the pull on the anointing was so great. It's like a while ago, you know, pastor could have continued because I love that anointing. And, and we were pulling on that anointing, Pastor Josh, in this place because when the presence of God uh, comes in, when the presence of God got off of that boat, I'm telling you what, the hungry people were there to be fed. They wanted what Jesus had to offer. Now the disciples, they were of a mindset that this group is hungry, it's late, and they need something to eat. So come on, uh, Master, we've got to take care of these people. These people need some food. And so why don't we just go ahead and send them out into the local areas so they can at least get something to eat because it's possible that everything's going to be closed down and there is going to be nothing for them to eat. And Jesus, he looks at those tired disciples and he says to them, you do something about it. <laughs> and they're like, you want us to do something about it? Master, do you not realize that we don't have that kind of money? It's not in the treasure, treasury. It, we don't have that. Do you know what the figures are? Maybe we need to tell you how much money that we have. And it would take eight months worth to even begin to feed an army like this. And Jesus masterfully said, well, just go see what is in this crowd. Because inside this house, inside your house, inside of what God's put in you is everything that you need. And in that moment, Jesus was saying to his disciples, oh, you're missing something great here. You're missing something in this moment. So I want you to see you have forgotten how the miraculous power that it was, is within me and operating in you, you have forgotten what is, has been going on in our lives. I understand that you need rest. It's just like when they come up upon the woman and, and uh, Jesus didn't want to eat. He had begun to minister to her, the woman at the well. And they, they said, you know, they were trying to offer him food again. You know, they really did want to take care of him. You know, the staff, they, they always fuss over us, don't they? They want to make sure, Brother Josh, that we're well fed. They want to make sure that we're well taken care of. And Tiffany has done a great job of fussing over me and taking care of me. And I appreciate that. I love that about those that serve. And that's what they were doing. They were servants and they asked Jesus there at the well, you know, about eating. And he says, what I have, the food that I eat of, you know not of. And again, he's thinking, now they've been with me. They've seen the miraculous, but here they still don't get it. They're worried about food. And you know what? They really are hungry. So let's, let's do this. Now you go out and see what is in this crowd? And they're thinking in their minds, in this crowd is a group of people that rush to get here. It's a group of people that have heard that we're coming to a private place and here they are and they're taking up our space. 
And they're wanting something from you, Jesus. They're going to keep on pulling on you. And they're going to keep on drinking of that life with living water. And they're going to wear us out. Jesus understood the frailty because he made them and he made us and he understands. And he says, I just want you to go see if you can find some lunch in this group. And I don't know what all they said. I don't know how their minds grumbled, but they were humanity. So anything I would say and will say is total speculation. But humanity talks, doesn't it? And we all talk quite a bit alike. But I can only imagine that, that um, James and John maybe walked side by side and said, can you believe it? There's nothing here. There just is not. But then who, who knows at that moment, Peter might have said, but he told us to go out and see. So let's go see. Let's, let's just go see if there's anybody. Well, we know that there was a little boy that mama had packed a lunch for. And so not only did Jesus say, go see, he also told them to come back, bring it, bring it back. And they brought it back. And when they did, he did so, something so profound that for thousands and thousands of years, pastors and ministers and leaders and Sunday school teachers, nurseries have talked about the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. That little boy's lunch has been talked about forever. And so the part I want to talk to you about mostly at this point is the little boy that brought the lunch because we know what happened. And he goes home, finally, when he gets to go home. And I can't help but believe that he took home more than he brought but I know one thing, he took a story home so big that his mom could probably hardly believe that it was true. But when he got home, he said, Mama, you're not going to believe what just happened. You know, I told you I wanted to go listen to this Jesus that everybody's talking about. And you told me I could go. And you gave me my instructions. And I've been a good boy. I promised, uh, Mama, I did everything that you told me to do. I did it exactly like you said. And I was in the crowd, and I was waiting, and I listened to the master. Oh, my goodness, when he spoke. Mama, I can't even tell you the power that I felt as a child when he spoke. It was revelation of who he was in the kingdom of God. It was exciting. I was so exciting in the crowd. We listened and we listened. Then mom, all of a sudden, here come his disciples. And they're asking, has anybody got any food? Did anybody bring their lunch? And they ask and they ask. And I, I was just kind of hanging on to mine because mine wasn't that big. You know, mom, I mean, you sent me enough I could share a little bit. But it wasn't enough for that crowd. But they got close to me and they said, they spoke the word and they said, do you have anything to eat? Do you have anything to eat? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. And they said, well, would you, the master wants it. He wants what you got. And mom, I have to tell you, that excited me because the master wanted what I had. So I got excited and I followed them. They didn't tell me not to, so I just followed them all the way right up to Jesus.
And Jesus took that fish and my loaves and he blessed it. Oh, he blessed it. And when he blessed it, when he began to bless that food, he blessed me. And he began to break. Mom, it was five loaves. Remember, now, Mom, I'm not lying to you. You're going to hear it because it's going to be told everywhere. You don't have to worry, Mom. This is not a lie that I'm telling you. And he said, but he began, after he blessed it, he began to break it. And as he broke it, he began to give it to the disciples. And he broke it. And he broke it. And mom, those two little fish, you know, that I had. He broke it. And he broke it. And mom, here's another really, you won't believe this one. But he told the disciples, he commanded them to put people in fifties and hundreds and to sit on the ground. Because, boy, he, he's so organized. He just organized everything. It was masterful to watch him at work. He said, and even those people out there, you know, that would normally want to sit with their friends and sit in a group of 75, they sat down in their 50. And they were amazed as they watched him break. And he broke, and he broke, and he broke. He only blessed it one time, Mama. But when he blessed it, Oh, he broke it, and he broke it, and he broke it, and they passed it out, and everybody ate. I ate, Mama. That was the best lunch you've ever made me. That was an amazing lunch, Mom. You didn't know that when you made my lunch this morning, that your lunch was going to feed thousands of people. You gave it to me, and I gave it to the Master, and it fed more than I can even count. In fact, mom said, well, how many people were there? 15, 20? Oh, no, 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 mom. I don't know. But you're going to hear, well, we know the Bible records 5,000 men. And, you know, back in those days, they didn't mention the women and the children. They didn't count them. But I'm telling you, they count to God. I, am a, I was a child. I am a woman. And I count. And you count women. You count men. And... Uh, you know, theologians will tell us probably twelve to 15,000 people were there in that crowd, maybe more. I don't know. It didn't make any difference if it was 50,000. He was more than enough to feed them that day. He took what was given to him. And as Christians, we can be around the things of God and go from miracle to miracle and we don't really understand what the kingdom life with Christ means, being in his presence. But if we fail to walk in the miracle of what God's done in our lives, it's because we don't understand what he did in our former days, how he kept us then. And on these disciples had a little bit of a problem. And I'm going to take just a moment to put a bridge here because I'm going to... Uh, come into my story a little bit here in a minute. But the same passage of Scripture in Mark 6 will take us when finally the loaf and the fish, everyone's satisfied with a little humble lunch, 
Then the disciples, they haven't changed their mind. Now they watched with eyes open. They served with their hands, with their backs. And they watched people be blessed too. Be blessed. They watched it happen with their very eyes. They even said when people were excited about what Jesus did, I'm, I, I can imagine that there were a few moments when, when Peter, James, and John, they got so excited and the rest of the disciples, they got, they got excited and they might have felt a few Pentecostal goosebumps. They might have had some hallelujahs. They may have just been excited, but when it was all done, they remembered that they hadn't got their rest. They hadn't got their due share. And so many times in life, we are looking for that when God's in the middle of this. And God's doing something so powerful in this, in our day, today. Today, God's doing powerful things in your life. And he wants you to remember and to recognize that, yes, he was wonderful back then. He was wonderful to me in 2018. My goodness, it was with him. I'm telling you, it was a journey that I got through, and I was so blessed. I felt the presence of God in such a way. I, it was no lying to you when I said that all is well. It, I didn't like the journey as far as the physical part about it, but there was something about the sweetness and the presence of God that I cannot explain. But so many times when our life is we're in the bitter waters we forget how good that God is and I believe that everything that 2018 had or was it is only a victory and a testimony of who God is and who he was but 2019 has a great great promise for you and for me but can we understand and remember the miracle of the five loaves and the fish that he performed for you last year. I ate of that five loaves and two fish last year, and it was miraculous in my life. And God will take the brokenness of every situation, and here's the crutches of all of that. When the breaking of whatever is going on in your life, he will let, if we will allow that breaking of that situation and we will give that testimony to you and I can tell you about the amazing grace of God. That little boy had those five loaves and he was telling his mama or telling a friend or we are telling you today what God did with that, what the master did that day with that fish and with that bread and how he fed and miraculously brought you through 2015 and 2016 and 2017 and 2018. Now you can share in 2019 from that fish and that loaves, that miracle that God gave you because it's those pieces that will minister to someone else. The brokenness that we went through, the brokenness of my life from a child all the way to where I am, what it, God is using right now is just breaking it off. And he's saying, here, if you'll take a bite of it, if you'll understand the hope of it, it'll feed you. What I want to do is feed one by one the hope and the miraculous power of the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. But I don't want it to just be me feeding the thousands. I want you to feed the thousands because you have a world you live in around you and God is commissioning each one of us. If you want this 
this house blessed, you have to bless everyone you come in contact with. Your life, yes, it may have been a mess, but God says, I want to take that little that you have, and I want you to be willing to be open to give what I've given to you in those miraculous moments of your life. I want you to take those and give that testimony. Let your testimony of the goodness of God when you're going through a rough time even now. Do you know that in 2018, it was so powerful in my life. I was able to, to just be Darlene Rhodes, who God has called just an everyday little girl who made a mess out of her life, that got, had, got married at age 15, had a child when I was 16, got into a relationship that, that was abusive, and I lived in that for 17 and a half years, even traveling in a singing group, singing the, the, singing the songs of Zion. And I remember being on those platforms. And I remember the power of God. And I remember because my worship was for God. And I would cry out and say, God, I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how to protect my children. I don't know, but you gave me an opportunity. I would get up at 4 o'clock in the mornings in the bus, and I would kneel and I'd pray and I'd cry out, God, I feel so like, like we're so phony. We get up on the platform. He was very charismatic. He was easy. People liked him and loved him. He was, he was, I married him. I fell for him. God used him. And used this, my, my kids suffered terribly. And he finally left. After 17 and a half years, he left us, literally left us with nothing. Had a nervous breakdown. I was a mess. I'm ashamed of what my kids saw and the condition I was in. But there was something if it, within me from a Pentecostal daddy that loved me very much. Lived in a home where my mother didn't mean to be abusive. She just couldn't help it. She was sick in the mind. But you get set up for a lot of things in life. But I got saved. I don't remember when I got saved. I just remember being in the prayer rooms when I was five, six years old with those women. They prayed so loud and so hard, and I remember with my eye, hands raised and tears coming down my eyes and coming on my face, praying in tongues, praying and in interpreting, prophesying. God was so real to me. And yet, I got to 14, 15 years old. I just wanted out. I just wanted out. I had a mother that would lock herself up in the bathroom with a shotgun when she knew I was in the house by herself, by myself, saying she's going to blow her brains out. I was terrified. I had so much fear in my life. I carried fear up until about 30 years ago. I've been married to my sweet husband 35 years in July. But I carried fear. It was a protector because when he went away, I didn't know how to feel because I was always fearful. But then I was afraid he was coming back. But what if he didn't? I was too shy, too bashful to do anything. See, this is not what you would think. 
because my personality normally was quiet, introverted. Crowds make me nervous, and they still can. But when I step on that platform, something else happens because the anointing of God is so much more than I am. But I had done ladies' conference for several years and about seven, eight years ago, and I'm just jumping in with a few stories, and hopefully we'll come around and make some sense of this because it's all I can't, I can never share all of it with you. We'll share a little different aspect tonight. But I would preach, preach message, conference things, and preach, and God was, God was blessing that, and he was helping me to get bolder and bolder. And finally, I dared because, see, I didn't want anybody to know I didn't graduate from high school. Who would want Josh Pennington to know that they didn't graduate from high school? Now, come on and still preach for him. Really now? That was how my thinking went. How could I ever? I preach to these people forever. I'm a pastor's wife. I've been the administrator of the school. I was sharp in school. When I grad back then, they graduated from eighth grade, and you know, I, I I fought for valedictorian. This little squirt down the street got it by a quarter of a point over me. I had a good future. But I brought shame to my father, who was a pastor, and my mother. who already didn't know how to handle me, or my brother. How could I possibly bring some shame? I don't know, Mama. I don't know. My daddy, such a godly man, you'll read it in the story. He'd say, darling, God loves you and I love you. And we'll raise this baby and we'll hold our heads up high. Because God's got destiny for that child that you're carrying. Got destiny for him because you are a daughter of destiny. It always encouraged me from the time I was a little bitty girl. He'd put me up on the podium when I was real little to sing. And I'd go with him everywhere to pray for people. I loved the things of God. But the devil told me I'd messed up so much. How could God use me? But I married somebody that loved music and was in music. And after a few years of marriage, he gave his heart to Jesus. But he never did burn the old man. And I'm telling you, church, you got to burn the old man. you got to kill him. you got to crucify him. Because if not, he'll crucify you. One way or the other. Live with him for 17 and a half years. My son writes in the book and Tiffany writes in the book. But my children were abused. And when I finally realized what was happening because I closed my eyes, I pretended that this was normal. Because see, I was easily manipulated. I was easily deceived. And I gave in. It was nobody's fault but my own. I did. But when the when it opened, my eyes were opened, I went back into shame. 
how could I, a mother, allow my children, even when I knew some things, but there were things I did not know, how could I have done that? The shame, the pain. Pastor Darrell believed in the call of God within me. He recognized it. And there was no jealousy in him. He would push me out and he'd say, darling, preach. It's in you. Just preach. So I just began to preach. And he began to, he'd tell that we were with a group called Global Advance out of Dallas, Texas, a great missionary group. We spent years with them. My husband taking, uh, he was, he was, uh, one of their leaders, he would take teams with him. He was the leader of it. And that's how Josh went and, and uh, how Sean went with us. And uh, Daryl, from way back when, in 2003, he asked the bishops if I could preach. Armenia, the host, said, oh, I don't think she can preach here. Well, one of their men got sick, or one of our leaders got sick, and there was nobody to fill his slot. And uh, my husband said, go ask the bishop if my wife can preach because I'm telling you, she can do it. And so he did, and that bishop in Armenia said, of course, get, let her go ahead and preach. And after I preached, Bishop Rubik said, she can preach in my church, she can preach in my country, in my churches anytime she wants to. I did several ladies' conferences there. Same thing kind of happened in Georgia, except they just, when pastor asked because he had been there before, they welcomed me onto the leadership team. And after that first year when we did leadership and we preached, then Bishop Oleg, which is going to come to your church very soon from the Republic of Georgia, uh, Bishop Oleg wanted to meet with me after church and they invited me to do ladies' conferences. The women sat on one side, the men sat on the other in these leadership conferences and now they're all sitting together and they're worshiping God. Women are very strong in the church. They're allowed to have some ladies' meetings among their women now. And they open their doors to us to come and to preach the Word of God. But I'm telling you, God will take those shackles of shame, of all those failures. And you say, oh, I've been, I've been down for the strike, the count more than three times, more than four. But God says, I am the God of the broken pieces. I want to take that which uh, could be discarded as not enough. And I want you to know that I can take it and I can use it because I am God of more than enough. And I can take Take a willing vessel that will just say, God, use me. Please do not refuse me. Use me however you want to, whether it's here or whether it's there, whether it's at the store, whether it's at my job, whether it's uh, at the schools or wherever I am in life, Lord, I want you to use me. And that is all my story is about. It's about being someone who was nothing and still is nothing in herself. But I want you to know I am not that shy, bashful girl anymore when when it comes to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know who I am in Him. Nothing more than who I am in Him. And in Him, He is so powerful. And that day, Jesus that uh, broke, did the miracle with the loaves and the fish, as He told His disciples to come over to the other side, and they got in trouble on the way. God has spoke to some of you. You've got a call on your life, and you've watched the miraculous power of God come 
and you've seen him do so, such mighty things and you were excited. Yes, Lord, I answer the call. I know you spoke to me. I've seen you do this. And then life comes along and you get weary and you get in the boat, the ship of life. And all of a sudden, it's, the storm is so fierce in you that you can't, don't think you're possibly going to be able to make it this time. And you've cried out, Master, Master, don't you care that I'm drowning? Don't you care? Don't you understand? I thought I was going to get some rest because I had such victories. I saw what you did. I made those proclamations, and now we have all these storms in life. And here I went down again. And Jesus, the disturbing thing to him about his disciples was they forgot again. And God gets excited when we don't forget again. They forgot that the master, the bread, and the fish multiplier was the master of the sea. And that all they had to do was cry out and say, Lord, save us. And he was there. But they didn't even recognize him as he was going by. How much greater it would have been if they could have stood up in that boat and said, oh, the mighty one is in us. And no, we are going to the other side. We will not allow this storm to stop us because the master that just did that is going to do this. And we have got to get it in our heads that he is never, ever going to leave us and never going to forsake us. That if he said we're going over, we are going over to the other side. And whatever you are going through in your life, you are going to the other side if you can believe it. There's an enemy of our soul who wants to kill he wants to steal everything he can from us. He steals, you know, he wants to kill the joy out of your life. Let me tell you a little story about my son. My son is one of the most talented young men that you would ever meet in your life. You could Google him and you could see how he's played with all top artists in our country, studio musician. He's gone to the top, but life happens. He got bitter. He got lost. He was lost out on that sea. And just a year ago, year, a little over a year ago, his life fell apart. He ran into the back of a truck with a high level of alcohol. had prescription drugs that weren't his in his vehicle. But God spared his life. He spent days in jail, never been there. That was not his future. That was not his promise. That was not who God called him to be. That was not it at all. That wasn't his purpose. Mama had prayed and cried and said, God return him to his borders. I said, Satan, you leave him alone. He's coming back to that which he, he knew in his childhood, back to the presence of God. And one day God spoke to me and told me to 
quit weeping and just begin to praising. So I, I did several years ago. So as I watched, I watched it unfold. Did I feel fear? No, I didn't feel fear. Did my heart break for him? Oh, yes, it did. But I had to let God do what God does. And do you know today, just this last week, he is now on staff at a church in Bend, Oregon, and he said he would never, ever be do anything in the house of God again. But, oh, God said, that's, that child is a child of purpose. And Mama said, yes, that's my child of purpose. Oh, I don't care what you say, boy. You don't know what you're talking about. Because I remember standing before God. I remember standing alone, and my little daddy was up there holding you up before God. <laughs> saying this son we give this child to you for your purpose for the destiny that you have for him and see I never forgot that destiny for any of my children because the enemy cannot have them they may walk where I wish they wouldn't walk they may do things I wish they wouldn't do but see my life, his story, is so much more than just failures of life. And so is yours. In this house is miracle after miracle. Testimony after testimony. Your stories are so great that mine would seem as nothing. And I even said to God, I said, God, why would you want me to tell my story? I'm no different than anybody else. I'm no more special and nothing. He said, just because I gave you a pl platform and you said you'd go. And I said, okay. And so that's what we're doing. We're going. When Brother Josh said, would you come? I've been trying to get down here two or three times and we just never did make it work. But I was so honored to come just to tell you today that it doesn't matter where you've been. God just says, let me take the broken pieces as he blessed it. He has blessed every one of you. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he has blessed you. You've made commitments to him. And you said, I believe that you're my Lord and my master. And he looks at you and he says, that's my child. That's my daughter. That's my son in whom I am so happy and so well pleased. Look at them down there. Look at them. He has blessed you. And you said, oh, but my life has gotten so messed, so many messy places. And he says, I took the broken bread. And I fed it to the hungry. Your life is to be fed to the hungry. Your testimonies is food for people that have no hope because they messed up the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, and they think God can't possibly use them. They're so ashamed. They walk in so much shame. Tonight we're going to talk about and we're going to come against depression. There's so much depression sitting in our churches. If you know somebody that is bound in depression, bring them tonight because we're going to talk about spiritual prosperity. And we're going to talk about some things about how God will provide even when 
stuff is going on. I saw God's hand moved, move in the middle of some of the biggest messes of my life. And we think, how can God do that? Well, he can. God wants to use you. You're just as important as I am. It just because maybe God gives me a platform that's a little larger than maybe someone else may have. It doesn't mean that yours isn't going to touch as many people. Five loaves and two fish and one little boy. Today we're reading about him. Today we're getting a bless about him. And that mama that fixed that lunch that day, I don't know what kind of words she had for that little boy. I don't know exactly what was said. I think anything that would be said, we would just be... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We, it would just be our perspective. We would be guessing on what she said and how she sent him out of that house. But nevertheless, he went out of the house with a lunch. We don't know the name of the mama. We just know it was the little boy's mama. We have a little nameless boy. You may think I'm nameless. I'm even faceless. Nobody sees me. Nobody knows me. God sees you, and he knows you.